Oh, hello everyone. We are uh, we are now live. God, awkward intro is awkward. All right, this is Rocket Powered Report. It is one thirty a.m. my time. It's eight thirty Eastern. I have with me Saferna Day and our special guest DM Rawlings. How are you doing, sir? How's it going, guys? It's great to be here. Another wonderful week of the power-filled topics. Yeah, you guys are just going to listen to my keyboard really quickly while I uh, update the stream title. But here we go. We're going to be getting into it. We've got a lot to talk about, obviously, from RLCS week three and some various other little bits and pieces that have been going on. And DMR, do you want to, do you want to just fill us in on exactly who you are and why you're here? Yeah. Uh, I actually have no idea why I'm here. But, uh, <laughs> That's all right. Now that we all have no idea why we're truly here. <laughs> but what I will say is uh, I help run stats for RLCS. So uh, I help the casters get prepared for broadcasts. I look for game stories. I uh, keep tabs on uh, who's scoring goals and everything in between. So uh, that's kind of what I do in the Rocket League community. I am... Uh, also involved with uh, RLC in terms of doing tournaments and way back in the pro league I used to write a regular segment on Reddit called uh, oh boy what was it called now it was called uh, <laughs> five facts series of articles that was like another lifetime ago yeah like 300 <laughs> rocket league years nice right cool stuff so we all know who Savannah Day is uh, we've got no Curtis mm -hmm. today because Curtis is stuck in a hotel room with no internet. So. <laughs> well, hey. he's stuck with internet, but it's he's pretty much salvaging it from a taco stand outside. So I'm assuming at least... Taco stands have Wi-Fi now? That's amazing. I'm <laughs> just making it as a joke. That's one of my things. Um, I have a friend of mine back that lives maybe two houses down from me that uh, we always have this joke that if someone has really bad internet and they like start DCing or playing a game, we'll just be like, oh, are you stealing your internet from the taco stand outside again or something like that? Or I think one of our favorites was um, an Ethiopian refrigerator was where we claimed Wi-Fi came from one time. So That sounds like actually like a really good idea if, you know, like, <laughs> they combine as many things into the one thing for, you know, the, the third world countries. But anyway, moving on swiftly, please. Um, so week three... Sorry, I just got distracted by our setup. Apparently, you could be Cloudfuel's brother, DMR. I, I actually was mistaken as Cloudfuel three times at the last LAN. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I almost. I, I'm thinking for the next LAN, I want to get a shirt that says "I am not Cloudfuel." Do it. <laughs> that would be great. I would. I would support it. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So. RLCS week three then, we had quite a lot going on, some some great storylines and a little bit of drama as well, which we'll, we'll only go into briefly because I know you can't actually talk about it um, or mm -hmm. sort of have an uh, official position. Um, the argument that there was decisions made that some people have found to be controversial. Um, so just really quickly, like, what, do you, what did you guys think of the weekend's events? It's been interesting. Um, I really enjoyed, um, as always, uh, the EU side of things. Um, kind of surprised at some of the results that I saw. Um, North America, you know, I, I think was kind of what we expected, but at the same time, uh, I, I would just say it was more kind of expected of what I was to see from it. But, you know, I think just as always, to at least my opinion uh, personally, I always enjoy watching EU side of things. So Sunday was a good day for me. Saturday was an okay day for me. Mm-hmm. Just really a lot of interesting stories coming out of last week, like Oh My Dog being able to beat really good teams, but they can't beat teams that are close to them. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, uh, a whole bunch of teams. Exodus coming out with a very slow start uh, right. in their first series. Yeah, mm -hmm. Probably disappointing there. But a lot of really, really good things that lead up to uh, next week when everything gets decided. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's it, it, well, that, that's the amazing thing coming out of the weekend. Actually, is that everybody has a chance right now. I don't think. It, well, Rawlings, you'll probably know better than me. Is there any team that can't make playoffs officially now? So I ran the numbers, mm -hmm. and I'm really not one hundred percent sure because it gets pretty dicey when it comes <laughs> to some of the tiebreakers. <laughs> But you look at Summit, and I think even if they play perfectly, it is going to be exceptionally hard, maybe impossible for them to make mm -hmm. it to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but aside from that, it's open season. Uh, yeah. I, in North America, I project two wins under certain circumstances could cause a three-way tie, which could cause uh, a two and five team to make the playoffs. Hmm. Okay. So it really is anyone's game in a, in a seven-game season. It really comes down to how you did in individual series. Yeah, and and that's that's actually really interesting because a lot of people have said. Um, so a lot of people have have said you know seven seven um, series is is too short for a season. But in my eyes, I I just find that that makes every series really important, which mm -hmm. it, it is kind of where it gets interesting for me because. If you told me at the beginning that we were going to go into week four with, you know, it completely up in the air and we have no idea who's actually going to be making playoffs, um, you know, anybody could get in at this point is really interesting to me. And I think that that's a, a fantastic narrative that, that RLCS have managed to achieve. And whoever ran the numbers and, and got the, the league matches organized in the order that they did, did a great job of making it exciting every week. I mean, there's not really been any games where I've kind of looked at it and gone, Oh, well, that was just a bit boring to watch, you know? Yeah, you've got uh, Nintendo to, uh, to blame for some of these great uh, <laughs> great stories. That's it, exactly. Or, or in the team's cases, the, the, the stress that he's caused them by <laughs> not knowing for sure if they're in playoffs yet. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say that there's a number of teams uh, in North America that are asking what it's going to take, and I'm getting messages here and there saying, you know, what do we need to do to lock in a one or two spot, for instance? Yeah. And uh, and yeah. my answer, typically in scenarios like that, is, okay, I'm doing this off the top of my head. Do mm -hmm. not treat this as gospel. Yeah. But, you know, and then a big block of text. And then them asking a bunch of questions and me going, maybe? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really anyone's game. Because there's two games that most teams are playing in week four, mm -hmm. it's really, really hard to project exactly which, you know, what the teams are going to take in order to uh, get there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, going into this, you know, I, I, it's kind of funny, DMR, I, just you mentioning that, because I'm sure there's a lot of teams right now that are just playing so many what-if cards like, what if we did this this semester or semester? Yeah, we're in school now, boys. Um, you know, what if we did this? What if we did that? It's it's always kind of funny to me when when people do that because they're like, it's pretty much like a, a bare minimum thing. It's like, what is the bare minimum that we can get away with? That like, if something bad was to happen, we'll be okay. You know, one of those things. So I'm sure, DMR, you get bugged with this all the time. I, I'm sure it's. A I mean, my answer is just keep winning and you'll do fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. At the end of the day, yeah. I mean, 
just, just although at, at this point you've also got to like try and win by lo- you know win your series by losing the least number of games in case of win percentage tiebreakers so mm-hmm. um should we run through like quickly I mean, let's let's just uh go through the results from saturday so we had take yeah. three three zero mm-hmm. deception anyone surprised yeah. by that um not necessarily um it was more interesting to me that I, they actually lost to Genesis uh, by getting three uh, zero by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was more interesting to Take me personally. Three, yeah, Genesis. That is getting three zero by Genesis. Take three. Yeah, I said that right. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was actually more interesting than that. Um, Deception was a little bit cooled down. Um, it sounded like they weren't going to be on the top of their game from what I was looking at um, earlier. So I, I can understand that. It didn't surprise me a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, I just still think the Genesis thing was, still surprised me because you know I now granted um, you know having a close series against Exodus probably warmed them up more you know to get ready to go. I mean, sometimes you get that first series. I have a feeling that it helps you out a ton, especially if you play a really good matchup like you did. Mm-hmm. Well, Exodus Genesis as well was a really close series because that was actually a reverse mm-hmm. sweep by by Exodus. Okay. So so that was intense because Exodus had just come out of being 3-0'd by Vindicator, which um, mm-hmm. used to be Vendetta before they got picked up uh, by, right. by Vindicator. Um, that was an intense series to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we were all on the edge of our seats all the way through that series. Going, oh, yeah. like, what, what, what is going on? Exodus's first series that they lose is, is to Vindicator? In a sweep? (laughs) Did did anyone at the beginning of the week call that Exodus was going to lose five games in a row? Well, this is it, right? That's it. So No one predicted that. And then somehow they they managed to pull it out. And I mean, it it really speaks to just the the pure athleticism of these guys that they're able to to be in a mental space, to come back off the the back of losing five games in a row to, to be able to reverse sweep their second series of the day is really intense. Like that's, as, that's as very impressive. we used to compare back in the day, you know, when I used to be really, really into just playing like every sport possible, you know, having that competitive mindset to realize that you're struggling at that point, And then to just basically 180 your own self to start focusing a lot harder, you know, build adrenaline and just like be like, okay, I suck right now. I need to be a lot better and not be upset about it, but rather that you are more focused and determined to become better. So I think mm. that's what really helped them out. And and I agree with you, Silent. I think it's really cool when you see, as Shogun calls them, cyber athletes. No, <laughs> um, they're it's cool to see this guys. Athletes. Athletes. Oh God, <laughs> that actually sounds worse. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's really cool when you see like in competitive environments when you can actually uh, watch some of these players just basically 180 themselves. I loved. I would have loved to hear what their comms would have sounded like at that time, in all honesty. You know, that's actually uh, something that I would love the RLCS to do in, like, Season 3. Or, or, or I suspect that they probably can't because it won't be PG, but I would love to get an insight into, like, <laughs> team comms. You know, in Formula 1, yeah. where, you, like, every now and then it'll dial you into the team radio and what mm-hmm. the, the driver's talking about with the pits. Like, I'd love to get that kind of thing. I- I personally yeah. like what um, uh, the NFL does. It's kind of cool. They Every so often, they'll mic up a specific player. Um, either the team organization will choose to do so or the actual NFL organization or just one of the broadcasting companies will do it. And they'll just throw a mic on them for the day, uh, for excuse me, for the game, and you can hear all that they talk. And it'd be kind of cool to kind of get some of the same, or some of the same things mm-hmm. uh, for Rocket League. I, again, I'd like to hear 
you know, sometimes what happens when moment, especially moments like this, where you come back from a reverse sweep, like you got to tell me that that game five, those guys, as soon as they won, were like freaking just like screaming, we actually freaking did it. Wow. Well, we're good. Yeah. Whoa. Well, that's yeah, it. it really is those moments like you see them at the land where, say, G2, uh, formerly IBP Cosmic, uh, was playing some games and they were kind of feeding off of each other's energy and just having a chance to see that uh, as a fan is, is really exciting just to see their success and how they fed off of each other. And I totally agree. Getting a little bit more into the game with, you know, possibly micing up a player and uh, you know showing some some highlights with some some player speech in there that would be really cool yeah absolutely and i think that that's something that um the viewers would be really interested in seeing as well because for for somebody who's just watching this like it's it's very interesting to me, especially. I, I, I'm always very keen to know um, exactly what the players are talking about. You know, what call-outs are important? You know, where, at what point, the, how much of it is just an inherent awareness of what their teammates are going to do next based on the position that everybody is on the field and, and how much of it is, like, specifically, oh, I'm calling you off this ball because I'm going to go for it or there's a breakdown in rotation. Like, how do they reset that? I'm really interested in all of that stuff. And I don't think that when you're seeing team, you know, like there's lots of players that that stream and you can watch them on Twitch but there's very few, there's not so often that you can see players at that level streaming while they're doing tournaments and and obviously they can't mm -hmm. stream RLCS individually so so there's no way for us to get insight you know as to what the team mindset is at the the sort of most intense that it can be so yeah uh, i think what would be also kind of interesting too on this subject i think you know, we right now have the player interviews that we do, right? And that's live and everything. Mm -hmm. Even if it was to, like, do an off-session sort of thing, like a an interview before you get into this, the whole sequence, um, I think that'd be kind of cool, too, because then you can touch on a couple other questions that maybe you don't have the time for. You know, maybe ask them a couple extra questions and then just kind of choose, like, the quality answers that you get out of it or something like that. Yeah. So, like, ask them seven questions, deliver two or three of them, edited onto a broadcast. You know, I, I think it'd be cool to do something like that um, as well, because I, I think that that'd be a, you can get a side of players that you know you get to actually talk to them more about how their their team is feeling, you know what they've been doing this week, uh, how are they prepping, you know what is their competitive mindset when they go into something. I think it'd be really cool to see them uh, build something like that. So and again, this is only the second season we've ever seen of RLCS, and shortly following, you know, the first RLCS. So it's. Not seeing everything right now is yeah. just like, oh, it's okay. We have time. We can figure other production things out. <laughs> I think there's definitely room for more production stuff. And, uh, oh, yeah. It, it would be interesting to see what they do in the future. Like, I'd love to, to see what, what's going to go on around LAN as well, because I really liked the, mm -hmm. the stuff they did at the last LAN. I'd like to see them do more yeah. of that and right. sort of expand on that as well i mean ideally i'd like them to get me in and interviewing some players seeing as i'm actually going to be there but <laughs> yeah I, I can but dream jdel re re uh, replied to a tweet that i said oh because he tweeted um, saying oh you know who's going to amsterdam and i said i damn now all i need to do is you know get somebody to let me cast <laughs> he did reply to that and say that maybe i could do passport control Shot down. Ouch. <laughs> Casting Ouch. shot Gee. passport control. Like that that's a Gee. test of a caster. If you can make that interesting, <laughs> you, you you got the job. Done. <laughs> but exactly. yeah, so so other results from from the weekend then. Um let me just pull this back up. So Miracles saw... do happen. G two was finally able to take a series um, yes. after their drought. It's 
You know, I really think important that, one too against a vindicator. That'll yes. be important if a two-way tiebreaker. Yeah. Oh, good to know. Um, but I think what even against NRG, I I still think that was fine. You know, going against that five-game series. But now, you know, I DMR. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll ask this question to you. You know, what what do you feel about G2's current stance right now in the standings? So if they win two, they are at the mercy of some of the other teams. Mm-hmm. But if they win two, they end up three and four. It's a good chance that they're going to be in a block of people that are tied at that three and four record. Mm-hmm. And if their win percentage is good enough, which it's not right now, yeah. but if they go late, they go six zero, then it could be really interesting as soon as we get to tally all the scores in the end. Right. Uh, looking at uh, standings, by the way, they are currently tied with deceptions. Uh, deception, excuse me, uh, for um, the last spot. So I, I'm actually surprised. It's almost like as if they're playing a kind of the same thing that they did last year, um, where it was they were on the lower part of the rankings, and then oh look, they were able to make it through playoffs, and then just barely make it to land, and then people were still calling them underdogs, and then boom, land happened, and now they. We're playing like gods, so. Mm-hmm. Well, in the first group stage, they were playing lights out, and right. in the second one, they faltered significantly with yes. the roster that they had. Over yep. zero came in. All of that disruption kind of went on, and yeah. they they really uh, struggled in that second half. They didn't make the playoffs, I think, on a tiebreaker, and as a result of that, the only reason that they qualified for the land at all is because they won the first leg of the first RLCS, and they basically coasted on their own coattails all the way to the LAN. But the thing is, you get to the LAN, and all of that doesn't matter anymore. You have a fresh chance, and anything is possible, as we obviously saw. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's definitely a case to be made that G2 shows up when there's a bracket. Like if there, there, if there is a bracket that they are going through, rather than it being like league play or group stages, like they, they just tend to do a lot better if they're in a bracket, and it's, uh, it's a really interesting phenomenon. And you know, they get called the land boys and stuff because they showed up so massively in land. I mean, in land, it came down to them and three EU teams, and they went all the way through just smashing through the upper bracket until they, and they I think that really win. undercuts the amount amount of preparation that they did coming in mm. you look at rlcs1 at the LAN, and two teams that overperformed by everyone's expectations were the flying dutchman and and g2 I, uh, ibp at the time yeah and both of those teams in my opinion are the ones that did the most homework before they showed up mm. and uh, understood who they were up against and used that as their advantage well, the so, first, like going, first episode of RPR, uh, I called out Kings of Urban for not doing enough homework. Because they did not look like they knew how to play against the EU teams at all. And you saw them go up very quickly, sort of as a consequence of that. So I think that that's something that this, the, the way the league plays going at the moment is very interesting. Because I, I think that the fact it's regionalized is, is obviously kind of essential because ping is such a huge deal in Rocket League. You know, everything can happen so fast, like any kind of latency can, can totally change what's, what's going on. Um, yeah, we've, we've tried that in the past with mixed results, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that's it, exactly. I mean, you can't ever predict exactly how the, the connection across the pond is going to actually go. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the teams, you know, you can get lulled into a false sense of security where you kind of feel like you know everybody. But if you make it through to LAN, 
like half the teams there are teams that you have literally not played against and that means that you have to do a lot more kind of VOD homework and I've heard a lot of people um, sad when he was on TTT last week said um, that he, he gets to know a team by playing against them he finds it hard to the, the, I can't remember if he said specifically but I certainly got the impression that he finds it hard to um, to sort of understand the play style unless he's playing against them so that mm -hmm. means that half of the teams that you're going to play at LAN or potentially could play at LAN are, are complete unknowns to you, which again is really mm -hmm. interesting. Like I find it, it's a great narrative. It just shows how, how much prep the, the teams need to do. Right. Yeah. It, having the, I think was a fun example for this. You know, I, I remember um, that G2 back when they were IVP, um, that they were going to play in an Oceanic tournament. And I think for like, I think it was four days or three days, something like that. They played only on Oceana servers. Mm -hmm. For the record, by the way, where they were all living at, um, the lowest ping I saw for any of them was 140. Most of the time they were playing between 180 and 200 ping. So having that preparation and understanding there's going to be a slight delay if I do this, you know, remember whatever that it would be is something that you need to always, you know, study up on. And speaking of which, uh, seeing what G2 is doing right now is kind of surprising me um so midweek uh or i keep calling it midweek uh mid-season mayhem um when that happened they cleared out and didn't even lose a game so my question is is it was it because they had something totally different that time was it just because apparently they all played too much rumble what are you guys' thoughts on this like why why do you think they didn't just clear out what they should have cleared out um this week so i think there's two reasons uh, yep. The first is, in weeks one and two, there was a lot of distraction going on for G2 as a team. Yes, they yeah. had Cronovi and Overzero moving together, and like when you move, that's incredibly disruptive. And yeah. for people that are used to playing every day and put in their time and need to practice, that, mm -hmm. that can really have a toll. 30 hours of driving uh, was what, yeah. it, what it took exactly. Overzero to get there. It's nuts. So, so the other major factor in my mind is Licinio and Crow are probably... Gambit being also in the, this group are among the top SARP players and in SARP you dealt with balls that moved a lot faster uh, hit off your car much harder and you had more funky maps so you needed to be yeah. more grounded in the fundamentals of the mechanics of the game mm -hmm. so yes. all of a sudden they go into strange maps and they're like hey we we know this yeah. we may not have played all this map before but our understanding of the physics of the game is far more nuanced than mm -hmm. uh, other teams that just haven't had a chance to play on these maps before mm -hmm. and you add both of those up like the ability for g2 to finally sit down and focus and get settled in their new place yes uh as well as licinio and cronovia's just breadth of experience and uh i did i would have never expected them to go nine and oh but I definitely expected them to do well in that tournament because in North America, you know, there's Fireburner and there's Sad Junior, but there's fairly wide distribution of SARP talent. Yes. Well, I've, um, got, I've got a theory uh, on that that builds on that, actually. Um, okay. So, so sort of taking that, that point to a, a higher level. So what we've seen from G2 over the course of pretty much all of the league play, and it is slowly going back to how it was we've seen a totally different play style from them than we saw at land so at land there was lots of solo plays lots of like seat of the pants instinctive decision making um mm -hmm. we actually saw them doubling up on a lot of balls but it was okay because they they have the sort of individual skill to be able to sort of carry that through 
And what we've seen in weeks one, two, and some of week three is we've seen them going for a lot of team plays, which they're not really known for doing. Like, there's been mm -hmm. lots of situations, especially in weeks one and two. I've, I've picked up on this lots. Like, just, oh, look, there's Kronovi. Okay, he could just dribble that guy, but he's gone for a pass instead, and the pass isn't actually the best decision to make there. <laughs> and it's like they were they're trying overly hard to, to play as a team. I know that they've been drilling hard as a team from over zero and crow being on um leafs podcast the dojo which i recommend checking out by the way uh they they were saying that they've been drilling a lot of passing plays and and drilling a lot of like sort of teamwork focused um practice and when you take the take those guys and put them into a mid-season mayhem like it passing plays don't work all that well you kind of just have to make solo plays especially for rumble as well like you just have to do the best thing that you can do in that situation and we saw them win repeatedly. And a lot of it was just they were making decisions based on what can I do in this situation rather than who can I give it to in this situation. I think uh, uh, just a fun like little side thing um, that I was thinking of was, you know, it, this is a weird example. This is a weird example. I don't know how much you'll agree with this, but I feel like G2 is playing like an EU team right now. Um, and the reason I say that is because, um, as a lot of that I've seen, um, Silent, of course, you are well aware that one of my main tournaments that I'm able to cast a week because, thank goodness for schedules, um, is the Gfinity U on Fridays. So, mm -hmm. of course, I watch European teams on a pretty consistent basis. So, I think it's pretty interesting when you look at this that I watch Mocket Aces, Flipside Tactics, and a lot of times Reunited, that they have a three-man pass play that goes in. Um, where it, it could just be a simple delivery right in front of the net to launching it down the field, redirecting it off the backboard and sitting it off to someone else. And I noticed that a lot in, in European play. And actually, um, a couple players I've individually talked to about this have mentioned this as well. And they kind of joke about it, um, like on their own personally, like European side of things. They're like, this is only an NA thing that people do. They like to go for a lot of more collaborative play. They like to uh, set up that redirected pass in order to set something up um, to be more efficient they're aware when they need to shoot something off to the side so the reason that's the reason I say that is I feel like they, they're playing like a European team they want to try to set up those passes you know to get to each other and get everything all set I think there's an argument to be made on that I mean we've talked um, sure. quite a few times on previous weeks and and DMR I'd be interested in your opinion on this um, regarding the the sort of disparity between the EU and the the North American regions regarding mm -hmm. sort of this the culture of sports that are popular yeah so because north america has a lot of sports that um i mean the faster paced sports uh tend to to have less sort of passing involved so like hockey you can pretty much take a shot from anywhere basketball is kind of similar you, you tend to get to a reset situation and then somebody will make a play whereas mm -hmm. with the sports that are popular in in europe with rugby and football like rugby there's there's a lot more resets than, than football but with football, like there's no, nobody is ever gonna get a dribble all the way down the pitch and score like that. Right. When that happens, it's a huge deal because right. the number it's of right. barriers to that happening are, are, are you know ridiculous. Then you got right. stuff like in the US, the yeah, NFL and baseball and all these kinds of things where there's a, a much slower pace. Like it's periods of high activity followed by inactivity followed by periods of high activity followed by inactivity. And it, I just feel like it's it's a cultural thing to some extent. 
Yeah, I think so. I in in retrospect, actually, now that I think about that, um, I know you mentioned that before, but now kind of like thinking about it again, mm-hmm. uh, I actually agree with you a lot on that silent because a lot of our plays, you know, will be yeah reset into it. Like for example, baseball guy takes or guy swings for it. If he hits it, he goes to the next base. Then it's the next person up, and there's that break between that period. Basketball shot goes in. That's going to go off to someone who's going to pass it in. And then it's just back to, you know, the other side. Goes to back defend. to point guard, point guard transition. Sets play. Yeah. Right. You know, and then uh, football, um, American football, just to be clear for anybody EU-wise. Uh, I don't know if you're that – take whatever. Um, but like for that, for example, any touchdown, any field goal, whatever, resets to the kickoff, different teams, special teams, defense, offense. Uh, they go along with it. That's, it makes sense. Um, we're, we're used to that, that reset. So maybe – um, you know, like that could be the play style just really coming into effect um, for us. Well, it's interesting because even in North America, I think there's a disproportionate number of footballers that play Rocket League as compared to many other sports. Like I, I found out Turtle is a soccer player uh, mm-hmm. when he when he was younger. I don't think he keeps it up now, but uh, but Lachidio, uh big soccer player played a ton of mm-hmm. soccer when he was younger yeah and i think that the kind of players that are drawn towards the game are the kind of players that gave football uh some some attention back when mm-hmm. they were younger because i mean now we're basically playing football with a car right right well that's um, it <laughs> right so it's it's tricky to say i mean i don't I'm a big hockey fan. Uh, I'm a big supporter of my local Vancouver Whitecaps uh, football squad. Uh, not big on many of those stop and start kind of games. Uh, American football is 13 minutes in a, with a 60 minute timer, and I just <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball, I think, from a game design perspective, is just deeply flawed uh and i've had this conversation with people before it just seems like it was built to be not fun uh so yeah i I mean i definitely enjoyed playing basketball when i was younger but it's not it's not a sport that captured me in the same way that the football or rugby or even cricket did (laughs) so right and that's that's even our separation too because like for myself uh my two favorite sports is baseball and basketball um, it's probably in a slight bit of bias because my father is a basketball coach for a varsity girls team and has like multiple titles in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, uh, my other brother is currently a college coach, um, for basketball. And my other, other brother is a referee over in another state, uh, for that, but was also formerly a coach as well. So basically um, you have so, no choice here. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those things that, like, you grew up in that scenario. Yeah. So I, there's that. Um, of course, all of us, my dad through both my brothers and myself, um, have played basically the same sports. Interestingly enough, we were um, all set the same records except in basketball. Uh, my, my, what would be my younger, well, the second oldest brother. There we go. Um, uh, we don't have records in points, but other than that, we have records in the same thing. It's kind of funny, honestly. Yeah. Um, but that's how I, I grew up. But of course I played soccer myself, you know, and that's my main category. I got records in for being a good goalkeeper. So like that, um, I, I just love soccer for the fact that, 
Um, it was a really good team sport. I think that was one of my favorite things about it. But I agree with what DMR says. Like for me personally, to watch regular soccer mm-hmm. for you know 16 minute periods like that, I I don't know. Like watching from TV is a totally different story. Being there, I love the culture. Not being there, it, no. <laughs> a 90 minute game, yeah, absolutely. And then right. you've got your halftime show and stuff like that. And that's that's something that I'd be interested in in your opinion on as well, Rolling Side. What do you think the potential is for a for a longer form Rocket League? Oof. Hmm. So like a 10 minute game with a break in the middle, switch sides. You know, I mean, we maybe can more just players the game a and do it right now. Like a larger map, <laughs> five players on a team type of idea. Are you oh, saying octagon? Okay. So for there's 10 there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I would need to be shown the benefit of a longer form game. Mm-hmm. One of the things that makes Rocket League really compelling is if I've got ten minutes, I can just boot it up and play a game. Yeah, right. Uh, from a competitive standpoint. I think that the current format where we do a best of X, mm-hmm. uh, you know, five or three or preferably seven is a really good way of finding the best team mm-hmm. and longer games. I don't know what problem they're, they're actually solving because yeah, we, we find the better team now and it would be kind of fun to do, you know, maybe a two half game and mm-hmm. give that a try, but I, I don't know. Aside from trying to make it look more like conventional sports, I don't see what we're gaining out of that. Let me refine this, actually. So we have our current best of three, best of five, best of seven series that we're doing, Rawlings. What do you think about running the same time for that, but instead of a best of series, we actually make it quarters? What if we did something like that? So like, let's say we do a four-quarter system, mm-hmm. but, uh, and then don't reset the score between it. What do you think? So basically, let's call it this. Let's play basketball. I'm think I'm gonna I'm just gonna think of it like basketball. Then five minute five minute periods, same same exact rule concept. Just there's a minor minor like thirty second break between quarters, and then you're back at it again. Yeah. So I guess that gives teams an opportunity to come from behind. Mm. Uh, right. But what I do find is that having fresh starts is really good for the game, good for the psychology of players on teams. Yeah, mm-hmm. They can go, oh, I, I lost that game, but this is a new one and I can win this one. Whereas, uh, as someone, like, I played two games when I was a kid. I played soccer, and football, I guess, and uh, I played box lacrosse. <laughs> and, uh, and box lacrosse, at the end of a period, you, you know, go into the locker room and you're, you're looking at being three or four or five goals down, yeah. and and you go, oh man, what are we going to need to do to get back in this one? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they were, if it was like a best of three 20 minute game, uh, I think that would, it, that frames the game in a very different way. And really, I just have to see it, uh, I think is, is what it comes down to. And as for 5v5 on a bigger field, yes, please. Uh, if that's performant, if you can get that many. Uh, vehicles going on the same pitch at a time, then I definitely want to see that because I do enjoy the team aspects of the game. And I would like to see how more specialized roles might begin to get defined as yeah. the number of play- uh, cars on the pitch increases. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that I it's think... Re- really interesting to investigate as a as an esports-only mode. So the, the touchstone that I would give uh, for this 
is actually a, a game that went the other direction, which is World of Tanks. World of Tanks standard multiplayer match is 15 versus 15. Mm-hmm. But the eSports variant is, uh, is like a 5 plus 2 format. So you've got five okay. high tier tanks uh, plus two low tier tanks, and you use the low tier tanks as sort of scouts. So you know, I'm not. But it's really interesting because that's the competitive format where you know you've got a, a, a seven man team um, versus another seven man team, but you've reduced, you've you've removed eight players on each side from that equation. Yeah, and um, I think there's serious logistical reasons why that happens as oh, well. Oh yeah, absolutely. it is very hard to have a team with that many members on it yeah like rocket league has three person teams and it's hard enough for them to get together to do basic scrims if it was a five person team it's even less likely well this is the thing i think that it's it needs a bit more of a developed culture for it um so like once the esport is a little bit larger there's more things for these teams to compete in then it's going to be more common to see teams sort of become full-time for starters you know when there's more potential prize money that a team could earn in a year and and that kind of thing it becomes a much more viable proposition and then we see more team availability but i i think that it's actually really hard to have a three-person team because I can't think of any other sport with the exception of like doubles tennis and doubles badminton where you have a team that small. Well, there's two sides of the story. So I feel like me personally, I always kind of enjoyed, um, and this is just soccer experience, you know, where I would get together and we would play like a 3v3 or 4v4 um, matchup, you know, indoor soccer basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a smaller extent, you always kind of enjoyed that because there can be this opportunity of your own individual self doing a significant play, or you can have a simple team play exchange between one or two players, all maybe even all three if you want to. So I kind of like the 3v3 format that we have going. Um, I do see what you mean, though, Silent, um, and I think it would be cool to see what happened, but I'm almost curious if there is this spectrum of players that because of the format that it's at right now um they feel like it's so fast paced because you're always actively involved with it if something happens with you know you adding more players um people let alone already hate 4v4 chaos adding other players to that but that's because you're putting 4v4 chaos into the same size pitch true true so everyone just ends up ball chasing because everybody feels like Mm -hmm. there's you know they're that close to the ball that they can just get there Mm -hmm. right so yeah, it's I mean, really unstructured as well. Yeah, true. There's no there's no ranked mode for chaos. I think I think that it'd be something. Again, I don't think that this is something that would necessarily be a, like a public playlist. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that beta tested. <laughs> yeah, I think that a five v five, like fifty percent larger pitch, um, would be really interesting. And mm-hmm. I think that the pitch should be longer than it is, like fifty percent, like say you know. 60% longer and, and 40% wider would be really interesting to see how that worked. And then you could have the potential as well for sort of non-standard maps where there was a sort of barrier in the middle. So it's a lot harder to do just like a straight down the field kind of play or, the, you know, there's a lot of potential that you can do when you've got, you, you've got the, an extra, you know, in a 5v5 situation in Rocket League, like you could potentially just have somebody whose job it is to sort of float around at the top of the walls and on the ceiling and come down from that position to attack into passes and that kind of thing. And it opens yeah. up like a whole huge amount of strategy in a game as fast paced as Rocket League to have like those potentially extra players. Um, mm-hmm. Then zoning out defense becomes really important. I mean, you could have somebody just dedicated to to just 
sitting at the top of the field and just stealing boost and bumping players and and you see a lot more sort of team plays um when you've got three man teams it's very difficult to take the player ego out of the team yeah and that's sort of my biggest problem with it and it's something that we actually see quite a lot and i've written articles about sort of the you know a lack of professionalism and a, and a need for more professionalism within the the sport but it's like you said, Sophonide, when you when you're on a three man team and you're involved in every play and you know, you feel like you're the star and you got three t three players on a team that are all stars and I'm not saying that every player on a team shouldn't be a star, but you have that um sort of you have that ego conflict. It's a lot easier yeah. to build a team with more people mm -hmm. because it dilutes that. Yeah, I think um I would say that this if we were to invest heavily into it, I think it's going to have to happen after a while after this game has oh, been yeah. out. I think that it's going to be um, like a two, three year down the line. I mean, this is a, a yeah, thing. I, cause if we do it right now, like this is my thoughts. If we do this right now. Um, so I'm just going to say, let's do a six V six and we're going to proportionate the map to be, what do you think? Double the size? No, I think, I think 5v5. I think 5v5 is where it has to be. 5v5? Go. Because okay. the, the other thing with that is that then it becomes a lot easier for esports teams in other environments to transition out into Rocket League. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, because most esports are five-man teams. Yeah. I think it's familiar, actually, I guess. That's actually one of the, the things that I think Overwatch has come up against a little bit, is that it's six-man teams. When it's so common to have five-man teams that... Like organizations, when they're thinking about budgeting a team, they're budgeting the team in terms of five people, and then when all of a sudden it's budgeting six people, like that, you see, they're a little bit slower to sort of move on that. And I think that that yeah. goes now, the other way as well. I also see that as a bit of a competitive advantage too. If mm. if the land scene, if there are other events that are lands that are not RLCS, if that picks up and there are more organizations yeah. that are involved, it's much much cheaper to transport three players than it well, is that to is true. five. Yeah, right. I'll definitely agree with that. So, mm -hmm. and I think that that is something that's going to happen over time as well. I, do. I think that it really, we're just, I mean, it's it's barely been a year and a half. I mean, it's not a year right. and a half since the game. Oh yeah, came we we we've, so we've talked about this before. We got a like lot we, of time. <laughs> in general, like, because I think at one point I remember if it was like, if it was just an exchange between us here or wherever I said this, but. Um, it's like we need to remember that this game was only a year and a half old. We can't expect them to literally make everything perfect to the nitty gritty detail right now. Mm. You know, so I think that's we can't necessarily just go, oh yeah, totally. Um, I expect everything done by next Tuesday when there's like two million other things to do. Um, you know, even talking to and this is something that um, I, I've talked to just between like eric and other people at psionics i mean they only have 50 people you need to remember that they are not gods and they're not working 24 7 365 on this you know they have other lives to attend to still a small studio <laughs> right yeah, exactly yeah, absolutely and i think that remember that this is an indie game way. this wasn't a triple a production this isn't mm -hmm. um just a side note over this is totally off subject but overwatch hit 20 million players just recently and how long has that game been out but remember this is also a blizzard game and they had a massive studio built behind it. So yeah, and they have Psionics... a huge battle net advantage as well. Yeah, exactly. that's it. The, the players, it, they, they've got, you know, over, is it over 90 million registered Hearthstone players now? Uh, I think so. 
like the number of WoW players is still ridiculous. I mean, the number of people that have come back to WoW when Legion came out is incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know people who said they would never touch that game again who have come back to WoW because Legion is so interesting to them because it's resurrecting a storyline that, you know, one of the storylines that got them into it. It's just absolutely crazy. But what, what um it was you rollings actually that sort of put it into our our skype chat earlier um we're mo- the most played core pc games and we're number eight with rocket league mm-hmm. which is just amazing like that that's yeah. that's no great. idea what their methodology is for that but uh, yeah. it's exciting to see rocket league up there amongst other incredibly well-known games yeah well it's powered by overwolf so overwolf tracks the games that are open on your on your computer when you yep. when it and a lot of people have Overwolf because by default it's installed with TeamSpeak. You have to uncheck the box if you don't want Overwolf when you're installing the game. And if you use TeamSpeak on a regular basis, it's really I don't handy. Don't have to, Overwolf. Yeah, well, you should because it's really handy when you're using TeamSpeak to have like whose name it is um, coming up in the the top corner of your screen, and you can. Oh, Discord does the same thing. Yeah, I I have Discord turned off actually because I find it, I find it really annoying compared I, to the Overwolf TeamSpeak one, but mm, right. Yeah, so it's. I, I think it, there's a there's a, a very bright future. So mm-hmm. something though, if we sort of revisit the the RLCS and we come back around oh, to that, yeah, the RLCS, I remember that. Yeah, that's the thing that's going on at the moment. So we had. How about EU? We talked in a pretty good there. Well, yes. before we move on to EU, we have to to briefly cover the the point of controversy, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think yeah, that at let's the end just of the kind day, of decisions discuss have what to be it made. is. So, in the revival NRG series, uh, revival were about to win. It was uh, it was two one. In, sorry, they, they I think it was two one in the series, and if they weren't, you know, they were on track to to win a game, and this game that they were on track to win, they were actually playing with Prem. Because at the start of the game, Hot Wheels said uh, his internet had died and he wasn't able to get into the game. So within 30 seconds of the game starting, there was a reset. Prem came in. So this is why you have subs, guys. <laughs> Looking at you, Vogan. Um, so we see, you see Prem <laughs> taking the place deal. of Hot Wheels, Sid. Prem, by the way, for his RLCS debut, played fantastically. Like, he looked really strong on that team. And, you know, they were on track to, to sort of win that game. And then Jacob and Fireburner were having connection issues for the majority of the game and were talking um, talking to the, the RLCS people in the background saying that they had connection issues for the majority of the game and the game ends up being reset because under the rules that half the players had an issue connecting to that game because Hot Wheels Sid is the... It, you know, it was the third player to sort mm-hmm. of be able to trigger a, a late game reset. It's an exceptional situation. The rules don't cover that specifically so they reset the game and then nrg goes on to win the series mm-hmm. well here's the only thing i'm going to say about this because i don't want you know and i i, I know dmr I don't, we don't want you to push anything on this um here's what i'm going to put um so i'll just bring up an example from my sports days when stuff like this happens so um so let's just say you get this really bad curveball thrown at you um you know, I, I've had moments where, you know, a referee would blow like four or five calls in overtime that almost would cost you the game. Now, there's two things you can do. You can be really frustrated about it and just continue to voice that frustration and just continue to struggle. Um, Bobby Knight, a well-known, well, uh, world-renowned 
um, basketball coach is in the Hall of Fame. Everything else uh, said this best. You know, if you were to, you know, dwell on that mistake and be frustrated about it, that one mistake will turn into another one. And if you're still frustrated, it'll turn into another one. And if you're still frustrated, it turns into another one. So if it, if it, when moments happen like this, your brain just needs to adapt. And you just need to remember to keep that competitive mindset of just saying, this happened, but we need to reset, get focused again. If you were up, then just keep going. It's those things that, you know, I, that's all I really need to say is just that you need to be ready to make adjustments because things will happen. Hope for the best, plan for the worst is this very well-known saying. Yeah, I mean, I, think, I definitely agree that the, the sort of player mindset comes into it there. It's frustrating mm -hmm. to, to sort of be, you know, a minute and a half away from, from winning the series that, would, you know, could be quite important for you and against, you know, mm -hmm. one of the higher seeded teams in the, right. in the tournament. And that that's a, a big deal. And to be playing with your sub for it as well. And, you know, great work to Prem when they reset, you know, Hot Wheels had came back into it, into the chair because he'd mm -hmm. been doing fantastically in the first couple of games. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, his internet was all, all sorted out by then. I don't know how analogous your situation is to this one. Um, I don't know how you could really draw any kind of comparison to a real-life sport for this situation I, because this is a situation that is caused by, you know, it, it's inherent to esports that, that we are running this well, simulated on not, a server and the server can have performance issues and you can have connection issues with the server. So to this specific scenario, no. To this specific kind of moment, yes. You know, I've I've had multiple times where I I mean I've won basketball or even baseball games very simply by something uh, that that happened that frustrated the other person. You know, if if you're the guy that's flailing your arms in the air and saying, "Oh come on, why did this just happen? This is ridiculous. This should have never happened." If you're gonna do that, then you're not ready to be focused on it. You should be like, "Okay, this happened." It's frustrating. John yes. McEnroe throwing his tennis racket across the court going, you got to be kidding me. Exactly. Like, yeah. that's that's what I mean. You can't show that serious amount of frustration to it. This, that's something that you just need to be focused. You always have to be ready for something to, to just happen. Your, the ability to adapt is a major thing in any sport that you ever play. Esports, regular sports, whatever it is. It's, you got to be ready for something that's going to happen. You know, mm -hmm. it, that's how that's going to go. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously been various different opinions come out around this on mm -hmm. Twitter and things from, from various different players, players who, weren't, who were part of the match, who were unhappy with it, players who were part of the match who tried to you know, justify it, players who were external to the match observing, um, like Gambit, Gambit, for example, was quite vocal about it on Twitter. But at the end of the day, the, the rules exist. There, it, was, right. it wasn't a great situation. There the, there were, you know, the, I mean, at the end of the day, how often is it you see a game reset twice in a series? Like, there's right. clearly an issue there somewhere. But, so, so we said to, we weren't going to talk too much about this. We don't yeah. have to probably kill too yeah, much well, more on it. In all honesty, I was about to move on anyway. So, yep. Yeah, it's just sorry if just I interrupt comes back you. To, to just your mind, your mindset is everything. Don't 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 get tilted yeah. and and just don't. And then you're not going to. Well, frankly, choke is what is what happened after that revival. You know, clearly yeah. affected by that went on to to play lower quality rocket league and they didn't win the series so right. let's uh oh, oh well before we do move on i'm just going to throw a quick comparison back because if you remember at the international finals land for season one kings of urban were in the same situation but the other way round because the flying dutchman had a connection issue 
and the game ended up yeah. getting reset. Now, I always found that reset very interesting because the Flying Dutchman scored while they were a player down <laughs> and were actually, you know, winning the game. I, in mm-hmm. my opinion, they should have just added the player, come back in rather than reset the game entirely. But the game got reset anyway. Kings of Urban went from being behind to losing the game anyway. So it, it, this can always happen going both ways. So right. EU RLCS then, Sunday days, Sunday's mm-hmm. uh, shenanigans. Some some pretty interesting games, that's for sure. So we we've touched on already that Oh My Dog showed up against Flipside, um, which you know they seem to have this habit of playing really really well against great teams and playing not so well against teams that are more around their level or or below. Uh, Rollings, mm-hmm. you got any any stats uh, info that you can shed on this for us? For as Oh my dog! Who's here? Yeah, I mean that's it. They seem to be good at. Uh, they seem to be the David in, in any David and Goliath situation. But when it's two Davids, they don't do so well. <laughs> it's a good way of putting it, actually. I like that. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and generally across the line, they're pretty unspectacular. Turbo Pulsa is their leading goal scorer. Uh, they're leading us to save getter by a significant portion. Um, you know, on an individual basis, you don't see a lot. I think that their their average score per game is below the league average by a uh, a little bit there. So it, it really does seem unspectacular when you look at the player stats on an individual basis. Uh, when it switches over to the team side, let me just grab EU here. Yeah, in comparison, Oh My Dog is averaging like, what, 1.58 right now, goals per game, like considered one of the lowest right now for sure in EU. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the thing about Oh My Dog is they're definitely fighting their, their game. They're, they're fighting in every game because... So far, their series record is is, uh, two to three. So they've got a 40% series win rate. But they've played 20 games across those five series. So they've got an average of four games per series. So they they really are fighting it out. But we're, you know, it's it's interesting because that that sort of uh, the other teams that are at that are tying with them. So Reunited and Red Eye currently tied with them in the league table with two games to three. Oh my dog, uh, sort of bang smack in the middle of that in terms of the games that they've played, and I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so something that does stand out for Oh My Dog mm-hmm. is they allow the second fewest shots against in Europe. So Northern Gaming leads with five point four shots against per game, whereas Oh My Dog is seven point five three, and that's ever so close to uh, to Mocket, who are seven point seven four. Yeah. So if you want to look at maybe where Oh My Dog is is getting their success, it's that they're limiting the number of shooting opportunities that the other team is getting. Yes, I I could definitely agree with that. I think that they they're definitely one of the slower teams. Um, I think that that's. I think it's really interesting, actually, because in, in this season of RLCS, we, we see sort of the legacy of Vogan, even though Vogan's not playing in it. Because we see <laughs> Dogu and Jesse's teams playing in very measured ways. And while that hasn't been you know, greatly successful, especially in, in Summit's case, but uh, Oh My Dog has... I, I've, I sort of lump them into 
like half the half the teams in the tournament I sort of put down as instinctive and the other half I put down as sort of much more measured. So you've got Northern Gaming, Flipside, uh, Red Eye and Reunited, all very instinctive teams. They they you know, they, they fly by the seat of their pants, especially the you know, Northern <laughs> Gaming and Reunited and it's just like that there's a player in a spot and he does what he thinks is the best thing and, and the rest of the players on the team are good enough to know what that's going to mean for where they need to be. Um, and then you go back to, to Market Aces and and sort of pre Precision Z, Oh My Dog and Summit, where it's a much slower playstyle. They tend to absorb attacks and then try to counterattack. And there's a, you know, when given the opportunity, they'll slow down play and sort of try and set something up. And I love the fact that we've got sort of two and, and maybe if you're a little looser, four sort of defined playstyles in this season of RLCS because last season I felt like it was everybody else and then mock it. And this season, um, we're seeing something else. You're going to say something else. I don't know else. if I would... I wouldn't necessarily say that there was just, like, random playstyles and then mock it. Because, I mean... No, no, I'm not saying random playstyles. No, I'm saying that in in Season 1, um, in a run-up to LAN, we had... Uh, uh, we had Mocket playing in a very measured style, and everybody else was just trying to be as play as fast as they could. Okay, gotcha. So you're just talking about more of the pace of the game itself, not necessarily yeah. their style. Well, that okay. is the style, though. That, 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 when you get right down to it, that that's the two defined styles of, of Rocket League. You got, you've got as fast as you can, and then you've got build-up play. Yeah, and I think it's best to look at that in terms of a spectrum as well. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, last year at at LAN in an RLCS, you saw uh, Northern Gaming, and they were absolutely the pinnacle of an aggressive shooting style. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They limited the number of chances against them because they were doing the shooting all the time. Yeah. And it was just like pile driving teams. It's very hard to shoot off your own back. Until... <laughs> exactly. Right. And even when you get that shot, it's, it's like a clearance that trickled its way towards the net. Yeah. You know, and, and that's just how they played. And I notice actually that Northern Gaming is, uh, has slowed down with the, the roster change. Mystic is more of a, a player who is willing to make saves. And, you know, that, that speed is diminished slightly. And you see, consequently, that flip side is taking more shots than anybody else in the league right now. But they're also giving up somewhere in the, the bottom three for number of shots that they're allowing so they've taken that run and gun approach that uh, that northern gaming really had last time and i think that's greasy's influence on the team i, I think mm -hmm. it's definitely greasy's influence i mean um, i've talked in, in the past in various articles that i've done um summarizing roughly if anybody's interested i hopefully will be getting another one out this week maybe uh, we'll see um but with greasy that he's added like almost like a whole nother set of tactics that Flipside can use into that because what 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 you you see from Flipside now is you see actually a, a much wider spread of the kind of opportunities that they're taking on offense mm -hmm. because before it tended to be sort of precision passes between players and you know, Cook's here using his time machine to know exactly where the ball was going to be and just sort of using all of his boost to hover there until it bounces off him and into the goal. But you, you saw, you know, Marky and, and Mike being very good at finding each other. You saw them being very good at finding Cook's here. Cook's here having a great awareness of where the ball was going to be. Now Greasy's come in and I'm seeing a lot more backboard passes from them and it tends to be from Greasy. And that's really interesting to me because it shows just like how 
how important the in the individual players that are to the team and it comes back to what i was saying earlier on that, that is three people too small for a team when when a team can change so dramatically because of a roster change in, in their play style because flipside is a totally different team on offense right now i like to see the personalities of the players in, oh, yeah. kind of infuse themselves into the teams um so so just by way of comparison, Flipside has the lowest shooting percentage in, I believe, the league, but they have the best save percentage in EU. Mm-hmm. So that is that is a consequence of the way that they play and the velocity yeah. that they're playing at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely. think they'll just get stronger as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying it as a bad thing, necessarily, but I think it's, it's something that I would... I would like to see teams sort of evolve uh, less dramatically. Like, I'd like to, to think that, like, a roster change on a team isn't going to mean that that team is then playing in a in a very different way. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's great, because Greasy has added sort of those extra skill sets to the tool, so, toolbox and um, those extra kind of different different ways of setting up plays and, and that kind of thing, um, coming off the backboard a little bit more. Getting beaten by Oh My Dog, though. Coming back to the the sort of David and Goliath situation, there, oh my mm-hmm. dog really play up, but they do not have a good time playing at the same level as them, in my opinion. Well, every so often, it, that's kind of how teams go. It, it there's this this different concept where when you feel like you're playing a team that's better than you, you want to try harder. Um, you know, be the 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 sweaty nerd as it is, the sweaty nerd try hard um, as it would seem. Um, but when you play against teams you feel like you're more comfortable with, they're acclimated, sometimes you feel like you don't have to grind as hard as you did, um, and you can just simply kind of coast through that game. But then you also then get curveball because they end up coming out to play better than you. So I think that Oh My Dog is kind of one of those classic teams that thinks like that. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, we have flip side tactics. We need to try. We have Machin Aces. We probably should do something. We have Reunited. We know their team is amazing. We should really do something about this. But they go against like Summit. They go against like Precision Z. Something like that. They're going to think, Hi, they're around the same skill level we are, but we have beaten them before in the past. Something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think what that comes down to, and I see this a lot in pro sports as well, uh, especially being from Vancouver and watching the Vancouver Canucks play for the last forever. And, and it just really seems like when you're up against a team that is a skilled team that's high in the standings, like you mark that on your calendar, you look forward to that as a chance to prove yourself. Whereas mm-hmm. the rest of the time, you're playing against an opponent and you just don't have that same, you, you're not as engaged with the idea of the game. Right. And uh, and that can really punish teams, especially in uh, in an esport right now where there hasn't really been a lot of talk about sports psychology and preparation for games is something that is still being figured out by the individual teams um it's it's really interesting to to see this factor of teams playing back-to-back games and then one team is warmed up and then the other team goes out and you know i'm paying attention to uh, you know, on a very high level as to how teams that are in their second game do as compared to their first game. Right. Uh, and it, it's really interesting to me to see which teams buck that trend mm-hmm. and, and which teams really seem subject to uh, coming in colder in games. And, you know, this, the, the schedule's clearly posted. Everyone knows what's coming up. Everyone knows that it takes a little bit to get up to speed playing the game. 
So it really behooves everyone to do as much preparation as they possibly can to make sure that they are ready for these games. And there's some reasonable money on, on the line. And yeah. uh, I really do think that as this eSport matures, we're going to be seeing a lot more regimented approaches to how people start to play games. And then we'll maybe see how these results do as that corrects itself. Yeah, I think that there's a, a big part of that. And, and I think that Oh My Dog are a victim of their play style to some extent. Like I said, that they're, uh, they're a bit more measured as a team compared to like the, the faster teams. And that's good because if we look at their results in RCS, they have beaten Northern Gaming and they've beaten Flipside, who I would call out as the two fastest teams in EU. Mm-hmm. So they're they're very good against those teams that take a lot of shots. Because those teams that take a lot of shots, they're they're playing way up the field and then they take the the breakaway opportunities and and they come back and they get wins out of it. But then when they come up against somebody who plays in a sort of similar style to themselves, like Mocket Aces, you know, it's a close series, but ultimately they lose because I'd kind of argue that Mocket Aces are like the the ultimate version of Oh My Dogs sort of general strategy. (laughs) If you know yeah. what I mean, yeah, like, those the, are the masters. The strategy, it's the strategy with a stronger mechanical foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I hate to say, but I do quite agree. The one thing I'll say about Oh My Dog is the way that they play allows them to be in almost every single game. Yeah, and it reminds me a lot uh, as a hockey fan of the New Jersey Devils back when the neutral zone trap was a a thing. Basically, this defense that they pioneered that was intended to force teams to make bad plays to gain zone entries and as a result from that they could break out and a lot of their goals came on these these counterattacks because the other team was trying to push in too aggressively into their zone yeah and uh, and that strategy became a point of a lot of consternation in the league for quite some time because people said oh well it's really really boring hockey but the New Jersey Devils just didn't have the talent to go run and gun, so they did what they could to adapt and squeak out as many games as they possibly could. And Oh My Dog strikes me as as sort of being similar to that. Like obviously they're they're very skilled players, but they're they're still pushing for that number six spot that Kapow used to hold in the power rankings. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to say if they're ever gonna get there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it'd be be interesting to see how how that works as the as the players develop and and I think that that's the the really the really key point as well is that there's not been there was not a lot of time between season one and season two like there was not enough time in my opinion for players to analyze the kind of personal level like what what their key development points are and, and work on that mm-hmm. in any kind of realistic way but then also you know to some extent I want I, I question how much all of the players sort of spend on purely self-development rather than playing sort of more stuff, you know? Um, interesting to see what will happen as, as, as we move forward. Other, other results from, from Sunday, which was yesterday, right? Sunday was yesterday. Yes. I, it I've is slept, interesting. I've um, slept twice since then, so I've been very confused. <laughs> I'm on Tuesday right now. It is actually Tuesday here as well, which doesn't help, but it's only half two in the morning. Um, so we saw Precision Z handily beating Red Eye. We saw Mockadaces handily beating Precision Z. And 
we also saw Market Aces, I think, being the only people that won both their series. Is that right? It looks no Northern Gaming won both oh, their Northern series. Gaming won both Northern, their Northern Gaming pulled out both of theirs. Um, Summit still showing that they're on the bubble right now. Reunited, um, able to uh, beat oh my dog. Able to win against oh my dog but oh my dog though gaming. clearing flip side which is surprising to me um and then northern gaming um of course with their um pretty much dominance for how they played and then flip side surprising me personally uh losing to both oh my dog and market aces which ended up costing them because now market aces is now first whereas flip side now is bumped down a spot well i mean does it surprise you though I mean, given everything um, that we've just discussed, like Mokadaces and Oh My Dog are like the 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 literal counter to Flipside's playstyle. True. As yeah, I'll, I can't deny that now. What you said. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to. I I really hope that the the sort of different playstyles. Yeah, I hope that when we come back to to season three, we'll, or even when we you know we see more teams more more rosters, more playstyles start to emerge and we see the game move from being a sort of mechanical game to a strategic game. That's going to be really interesting to me. Um, mm -hmm. You guys got any other kind of highlights you want to talk about from, from our LCS? Um, really, other than, I guess, Flipside taking a spot down on it, um, you know, I think Europe side of things looks really great. Um, as I said before, but that's probably being biased at this point, the amount of times I've said it. Um, you know, just, I think in general, uh, I would love to see, I, I'm like quietly rooting for Deception because I'd love to see them develop. Um, that's on NA, but more EU uh, focus. Um, if somebody wants to continue to exist, they're going to have to change their life. So it's, it's going to have to be one of those things. Mm -hmm. I will say, Seven, I managed to get himself a 100% shooting percentage last week. Did he have any shots? He had two shots. And two goals. And two goals. Good job, that guy. I, mean, I was kind <laughs> of worried that you were going to be like, it's a 0-0, zero, 100% zero, confirmed. <laughs> right. But... Zero, zero out of zero is not 100%. That's always zero. No, oh, in a certain way of thinking. No, zero, zero out of zero is 100%. <laughs> like it has to be you it's the only time where you can divide by zero. <laughs> oh god but there we go I, I think that it's it, as as we move forward we'll see what happens so um i can't remember last week if we talked about the fact that lan was going to be in amsterdam or whether we we're just totally focused on rocket league extra life we we made we mentioned there was an announcement alongside with you know the big thing about um rocket league um xl coming into play uh, that was one of our things as well. Mm -hmm. um, but we did mention it. Um, it is going to be cool that it is over there. Um, very expensive for uh, me. So if anybody's willing to give me, um, I think, a flight are approximately around 1500 for me. So if you guys want to I'm sure help you me can, out. I'm sure you can find me. cheaper flights if you varied the airports you're looking at. Like, it's probably cheaper for you to fly to like San Fran and then fly from there. Mm -hmm. like, that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest because I know that somebody is doing that. Somebody is definitely flying from Michigan to California and then flying from California to London and then from London to Amsterdam. I can't remember who it is that's doing that, but somebody is doing that and it's working out like $500 cheaper or something to do that. So it, I guess you, you, whenever traveling, you have to make the decision of time versus cost, right? <laughs> like There's always a cheaper way to do it, but it's going to involve an investment of time. So, right. but I've got my plane tickets. I've got my land ticket. Rawlings, I assume we're going to see you there as well. 
I will certainly be there. Looking forward to it. Oh, it's going to be great. So, it's gonna be... Amsterdam is one of my bucket list cities. Well, and yeah. I've known about this for a while, and it's been one of those things where mm-hmm. I know something, and I can't tell people, yeah. and it's been tearing me apart. But, uh, but it's, it's going to be an absolute joy. And for all the Europeans that are out there that are listening to this that didn't have a chance to get to the first land, that was something special, and I fully expect this next one to be incredibly special as well. Yeah, well, I mean, judging from the way that they've stepped everything up from Season 1 to Season 2, like, you can only expect that the land experience is going to be stepped up as well. Um, you know, availability of coffee shops nearby and uh, lots of places to drink beer is always always going to be helpful as well for, for any event where lots of people are gathering, so it's going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. I will say that if anybody's uh, planning on going then uh, then drop me a tweet there we have a discord set up for people going to LAN um, we've got some Dutch guys in there who are being very helpful and sort of giving advice on the best places to potentially stay like uh, we've got a, um, a guy in there he's one of the shift pro league mods he has actually been and like checked out where the venue is like in real life and sort of done a little wander around see what's around and sort of done a, a little recce of the area so if you're interested then drop me a tweet and i will give you the link for that discord and if you're interested mm-hmm. in going to land that could be quite helpful to see what other people are doing travel wise and hotel wise and all that kind of thing so um let's move away from rlcs and talk about a team that didn't make it into rlcs in a sort of storied loss to Kden, who then lost to Luminous, if I remember right. <laughs> Penta Sports are actually doing really, really well in everything that isn't RLCS at the moment. You guys got any thoughts yeah. on that? Well, obviously they're a quality team. They've hung out in the power rankings for the longest time. I think they, they peaked in the five spot, if I remember my, my numbers correctly. I remember that because Penta 5. Uh, but yeah, really, it, it is immensely disappointing to me that some of the teams that didn't make it, uh, both on the NA side and on the European side, mm-hmm. uh, just didn't. Uh, you know, obviously it happened the way that it did, but uh, there are some incredibly good quality Rocket players or Rocket League players out there that uh, that don't have an opportunity to compete in RLCS, and I'm really glad to see that in some cases they you know, people haven't just folded up and decided to go their own kind of ways. They've gone, oh, fine, we're just going to dominate all of these tournaments and we're going to be ready for the next one. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think... I, I'm really yeah, happy think... that they didn't split right. up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so often when a team doesn't make it into to RLCS, it's like, oh, well, well, I guess we're just not a team anymore. We didn't, you know, we'll, we'll just move on. But obviously they've got the, the sponsorship and I imagine contracts and that kind of thing. And hopefully they're going to come back ever stronger. So, but so just to, to sort of quickly talk about their results, um, we've seen them win ASL uh, yesterday, four uh, one mm-hmm. against Ariality. Um, mm-hmm. On going back a little bit further, we saw them. Uh, they lost to Northern Gaming in the semifinals of Gfinity, but still had a good run to get to those semifinals in the first place. Although that was the first Gfinity that didn't have seven out of the eight league play teams in it, so. A little right. bit of an easier run uh, on the 3v3 EU Gfinity on Friday. Um, possibly because of the, the Mocket tournament that happened, uh, which we'll talk mm. about very briefly in a second. 
Um, and then they, they've so they've just been uh, doing well, really. I mean, they they lost to a reality week before last um, in ESL in the final four three. So it seems to be that ESL is just uh, on a Sunday is all about the a reality penta game, right? <laughs> As uh, all the RLCS <laughs> guys are busy. <laughs> <laughs> right um, yeah so guys um, I think that there's uh, the, there any other sort of on the bubble teams that you guys want to talk about that aren't in RLCS because we have been so RLCS focused while RLCS has been on oh that's a good question um, I can't think of the lucky bounce um, when they recently changed around their roster uh, people were talking to me recently that they are really seeming like they are downhill. I think they got upset first round, I believe, in the NA side of things the other day. So it kind of scares me on how their process is. So they're, they're in a work in development right now, unfortunately. Well, Lucky Bounce is just Timothy and friends at this point. Mm-hmm. So, right. Whereas before, yep. you know, Torment and Darkfire went on to Vendetta now, Vindicator. So that's, uh, that's actually something we didn't talk about. Vindicator playing with Matt. And playing very well with Matt. So no Lethamir oh, after all the Matt drama. annoys me. No karma. <laughs> and now we have Matt in there instead. But he seemed to be he seemed to add a, and a, he seemed to sort of be involved in the rotations a lot more than either Lethamir or, or Karma had ever been. Yeah, and I think that in a lot of ways is by design. Obviously when you've got a contra like uh, like Torment and Darkfire that have played together forever, it's they, they have a certain understanding, and it's hard to kind of break into that. Mm-hmm. But Matt demonstrated that he could do quite well there. He had, uh, eight, in eight games, he had nine goals and eight assists, yeah. which temporarily puts him in the one goal, one assist cadre of players that yes. currently no one is uh, is in in RLCS right now. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting to talk about. Uh, I think that uh, uh, in uh, uh, Turtle had a stream after RLCS yesterday, and he was talking about how they did, and obviously he was very disappointed. Uh, he, he said uh, primarily that uh, it wasn't that they were beat, they beat themselves, was, uh, was the crux of uh, his argument. Mm-hmm. And uh, he doesn't feel like, uh, like the team composition had much to do with it on, on Vindicator's side. They, he says they just... Uh, came out flat and they got punished for it severely yeah yeah it's uh it's well it's always nice to see teams actually using their subs in the league play we've talked about this i think uh, as well on previous weeks but rulings again i'd I'd appreciate your input coming in coming back to this topic but teams not using their subs during league play like how prepared are those subs going to be if they have to play during playoffs or or the land yeah, that's a that's a tough one to say because I think in a lot of cases the subs that belong to some of these teams were more of an afterthought than a primary consideration, and that surprises me because if you want to practice together as a team, uh, it can be hard to get exactly three people together. But if you've got a, a fourth that can come in there mm-hmm. and assist the that you can 2v2 versus each other uh, in the event that someone just can't make it then you've got a full roster of three that you can just scrim with and and generally have players like I know when Karma was doing her tryout in the different games that they were playing they were like okay now we want you to fill uh, Darkfire's role yeah, because maybe something happens to Darkfire we want you to be doing more of that you know high percentage striking that Darkfire is known for mm-hmm. so 
you know, go in and get some experience doing that in the event that something happens. Uh, we want to make sure that the players that we have can do that. And that's really forward thinking. Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. it. And that's, that's actually something that I want to see more teams doing because to some extent, like, a sub for your RLCS team needs to be the best player on your roster. Mm-hmm. Because they have to be flexible enough to fill the shoes of, you know, one of the, the normal starting. Although, I think that it, as we move forward in the future, we might see very, much more varied rosters in tournaments. And I think that as more land tournaments become a thing and, and more just generally teams are sort of full-time taking part in tournaments we'll see more varied rosters from teams sort of consistently across the board. And you won't just have like, these are the three people that are playing in RLCS. You'll have, these are the four people that are playing in RLCS and different combinations will be used. And, and it'll be almost like a, like a tech decision, you know, like running a certain card in Hearthstone to counter a certain deck. It'd be like, well, if we, if we run, you know, if we run Matt instead of Karma, then that's going to change our playstyle enough that it's going to maybe throw Exodus off balance and, and then they win against Exodus. And I'd really like to see, you know, using both map picks and, you know, your roster picks for individual series, like, oh, you know, like let's let's see these people switch in and out and sort of use that to, to throw opponents off balance and change your playstyle. And then it'll be like, a, oh, well, you know, last time they ran this team against us, so hopefully they'll use the same team again because we can then take this team in. And, and you end up with the sort of multi-step strategic thinking that I, I really want to see more of in the eSport. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think we're barely scratching the surface in terms of tactical map picking. And even further to that, uh, individual player choices. Uh, I would love to see some event in the future that says, hey, bring a four-man roster, and everyone has to play this many times. Or you have to rotate your roster every single game. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Because one of the things I struggle with as a a stats guy is a lot of people say, who's the best player? And And on the stats, it's the guy who played one game, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah, that that can certainly happen. But the, the bigger thing is, when teams play together as three people on the same team over and over and over again, you, you don't know what impact individual players have on that effect. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, you scored a lot of goals, but the other two players contributed to you getting those goals. And the only way that you get a really good sense of the quality of a player is when they're all playing multiple games with multiple different groups of people. So in hockey, they will track. Uh, Fenwick, for instance, which is a shot differential while a player is on the ice. So if your team takes more shots than the other team does, then that shows well on you as a player. Or PDO, which doesn't actually stand for anything, uh, which measures relative shot percentage and save percentage. These are things that are used to determine how good an individual player is. But when the same players are always playing against each other, you can't isolate that variable and say, this is what this player represents on aggregate. And uh, you know, I'd love for an opportunity where a tournament forces players to play on different rosters so that I could get some of that data so that we could have a better conversation about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely something that will come in the future. And I, it's something that I've thought about a few times, obviously being so involved in so many different tournament organizers at this point. Like I'm always thinking about what, what can be the next yeah. thing that can sort of differentiate a tournament. Um rather than just being, oh, this is another 3v3 tournament. Like, how do, how can right. we incentive players to take part? How can we incentivize people to watch? You know, how can we incentivize, you know, unusual map picks to make a more interesting viewer experience or, you know, make, 
you know, who can we get into cast? And, and all of these things are things that you have to consider when organizing a tournament. Like a lot of people think that, you know, putting on a tournament is just a case of like, oh, here's a tournament and people can play in it. And there's a lot of factors that you have to, to consider and, and to make it a success. And, and there's always a cost of, of either time or, or money and, and usually both because you, if you don't have a prize pool, then not many people are going to show up. So there's always these things to balance. And I'll be, I'll be fascinated to see like as the, the sort of, you know, the Intel Extreme Masters and, and DreamHack and stuff like that starts moving into the Rocket League scene, which will happen. Like, we know that that's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And I'm really looking forward to when right. that happens because, quite honestly, then I'll be able to make a living as a caster. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to see, see more pro-draft-style tournaments. Yeah. And I want to see more Swiss-style tournaments because those are absolutely my favorite format. Yeah, they're so they're so annoying to run online. Like they're not necessarily hard to run, but it's difficult. Like I, I've been involved in a couple of different Swiss tournaments, most notably the Hype Qualification Tournament, um, where they got the the other fifteen teams into the league uh, that they've been running, and that mm -hmm. that was a nightmare because so many people signed up and thought that it was just a bracket, so they lost their first game and then disappeared, and we could never get hold of them again. <laughs> Right. Yeah, definitely <laughs> a weakness of that system is it really doesn't handle dropouts particularly well. Yeah, well, that's it exactly, and that and it's a, a lot of games that you're asking people to play, and and for for a sort of I, I guess a rookie rookie team competing, you know, they they expect to go out in the first couple of series, then all of a sudden it's like, oh well, I actually have to you know go make dinner or like take the dog out for a walk or my you know my parents are shouting at me and. I'm used to entering a tournament and playing two series and then that's it. Oh no, I've signed up for this tournament. I have to play seven series and that's going to take a lot longer. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we'll get there. I think that it's just a case as so many things that we've discussed today of just reaching mm -hmm. maturity in the scene. So yeah. let's talk about the, uh, the latest invitational tournament that Mocket has put on. We'll talk about it briefly. Um, just because... Mocket has a lot of controversy within the scene. Like a lot of people aren't a fan of the way the organization operates, but at the end of the day, they are getting teams paid and that is a, a good thing. And I want to try and be objective about them as much as possible. So we did see their, their tournament go on and we saw Mocket Aces come through and win against Precision Z. And now I've done with the objectivity bit and I'm going to come round to how appropriate is it for a team you sponsor to compete in tournaments you put on? Well, I mean, I'm sure that someone mentioned that they really should be doing this tournament. Or other than the fact that we need to remember that what else was going on that day for that prize pool to not be, you know, like, willing to go to go to it. I mean, Flipside Tactics went into this tournament and stuff like that. It, it's a bigger prize pool. I mean, you go where the money goes a lot of times. So it, No, no, but, but moving aside from, from that, but, like, Mocket Aces competing in Mocket's tournament. Like, how appropriate is that? Is that not, yeah, like, a conflict so... of interest? When you, say how when you say how appropriate is that? Is it I, like I mean, like, you, if you're a lawyer, you don't represent your brother in court. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so imagine a scenario where a game starts and partway through the game, there are some connection issues, and the mm -hmm. game has to be canceled and replayed. It's a hypothetical situation. And let's imagine that it happened to be involving a tournament organizer and a team that was sponsored by that tournament, and it worked in their favor. How would that mm -hmm. be seen? Like that. That's... I think that. Yeah. I think that that is the crux of it, and they expose themselves to a lot of risk by doing that. And it's it's really hard for me to argue that that's the right call. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, that's something that I agree with, and it's something that um, like I've never really agreed with uh, Mythical Esports. Um, you know, I, I was there when that started, and I'm not involved with it any longer. Still, you know, know all the guys over there and stuff, but they, they have a team that they sort of have their name on, Mythical, and right. that team competes in their tournaments. And, and I've always just thought that it's it's just not something you should do. Um well, right. I think that they're they're going into the mindset of it's another tournament that we could potentially win money in. Um, I'm sure that it's not likely. I'm just but it's the conflict of interest thing, isn't it? Like that's the issue. Well, yeah, like, that's what it comes I down. Mean, to. I mean, in a real world, you know, if you if the if the place that they do, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm saying terrible words right now. If the organization that pays you to go out and play in tournaments, but then you go and play in your own tournament that you sponsor yourself. It's just, like you said, that conflict of interest is kind of like, is this really... Because if you win it, then everybody's like, well, isn't this kind of rigged? Or at least from the outside perspective, I think that would be considered. You know, I'm sure the people oh. that know the actual players, I'm sure they're not They're not like, oh, they totally didn't do this for that reason. But at the same time, though, I can, I can see what you mean, though. Like, 99% of the time, 95 to 98% to 99% of the time, there will be no controversy because yeah. there won't be any question whatsoever but it's that edge case that when it happens could seriously damage the credibility of a league mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. a series of tournaments yeah. and right. i don't want anyone to be in that position right i mean look at the controversy over the, doing. yeah look at the controversy over the rlcs decision and i mean while i at the end of the day somebody has to make a call and, and a decision has been made and and let's move on with our lives like whether it's right. the right call or not like in a sporting situation the call is made and then afterwards you analyze and if it's not the right call then you change the rules to to support what should have been the call for the next time that that situation occurs like so much of sports especially with the, such a young sport is like here is a problem that we have we dealt with it at the time because we had to deal with it at the time was that the right way to deal with it we'll find out later on and then we'll adjust and and, and, ad mm -hmm. and adapt and you see rule changes in sports all the time as consequences to to that honest question um mm -hmm. because i i have not browsed any reddits or anything like this for any reddits any uh anything on reddit for this um have they actually had anything has anybody said anything about this being really controversial has there been anything like really big spark yet or is it just like oh they won the tournament I don't know. I haven't seen anything today. So I, I think okay. that I think that largely market is ignored um, at this point. I okay. Think yeah. Generally I speaking, really... their viewership is a casual viewership, and that casual viewership doesn't engage on Reddit. Well, I'm sure it doesn't help that they just had over half of their people leave, and one of their casters was on Gfinity today. So. Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's been lots of things that have that have happened that aren't necessarily. Um, sort of th something that I, I necessarily want to go into here but uh but we're, we're we've we've just hit an hour and a half so mm -hmm. i think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up at this point so mm -hmm. rawlings thank you for for joining us on very short notice as it turned out that curtis's uh wi-fi was not going to support being on a podcast for an hour and a half so thanks no for, for showing whatsoever. up it's been an absolute pleasure yeah uh, but you're replacing curtis you've got a more professional situation there like you got like sound blocks on the background you got like a nice big pop filter <laughs> right there like everything's clearly working properly <laughs> yeah i just happen to be hanging out at my work that has a webinar room so yeah it's uh it works out in the end mm -hmm. i've got like 
sound baffling triangle things over here that I haven't even shown you guys yet. Oh wow, there we go. You to, you <laughs> give, go on, give us a little, give us a little spit here, of Rudy on the camera. Right, here, let's let's take a look at these.